This week on the Recruitment Flex, when the CEO tells everyone that they're not getting a bonus and to get out of pity city while collecting her bonus. Also, Indeed reverses its paper applicant decision by giving the option to stay on paper click. A little bit of panic or just listening to clients? And going to university? Focus on AI if you want a job. The recruitment flex starts right after this message from our partner, Rectex. Shelly, let's face it. Texting candidates is the easiest way to hire quicker today. But your cell phone doesn't connect to your ATS. You're sharing your personal number with strangers. That's pretty scary, right, Shelly? And mm. it's not even legally compliant. Mm, this is where our friends at Rectex come in. They've created simple yet powerful text recruiting software that works with your ATS. Plus, it's designed by recruiters for recruiters, so you know it works. To learn more and book a demo, visit www.rectxt.com. Mention the Recruitment Flex and get 10% off annual plans. Bonjour and welcome to the Recruitment Flex. Shelly. Hey. Sir. Thank you so much for moving this recording. For people that don't know, we record on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I got hit with a norovirus yesterday. The whole family did. I'm feeling better, by the way. Oh, good. Good. Yeah, that just ripped through your house. Oh, my God. You should own stock in Lysol disinfectant. We have a lot of Lysol and we got to go out, buy some more and disinfect our whole house again. It always starts with the girls, right? But where did they pick uh, it up, do you think? Well, they're in preschool. Like they literally had everything possible. The only one in knock on wood is hand, foot and mouth disease. We've had everything else in the last six months. The good thing about this one, it only lasts like 12, 24 okay, hours. Okay, and you're Serge, I'm going to stop you there. I'm going to stop you right there. Yeah. You know what you just said? What? <laughs> you're trying to find the upside to <laughs> having a virus ripping through your household and having all five of you sick. And you're trying to find the upside. Well, the good thing about this is it only lasts 24 hours. Oh, my goodness. You know you've been through a lot when you feel that everyone vomiting and being ill is a good thing because it only lasts 12 hours. Yes, it is good news because it's short. I'm back. I'm feeling tired, but I'm feeling okay. And you have a baby or a toddler at your house right now. How did that happen? So my friend is here visiting from New York and she's got a little one that is 20 months old. And you know what? It's like a rubber band. You just snap right back into it. She was overly tired last night. And Ashley, the mom, is wanting to go out and visit with her friends. And she went visiting with my mom and my dad. And she's been family friends since she was a toddler. So I've had the baby while she's out visiting and going out for dinner. She was a little overtired last night. And that child can scream. <laughs> <laughs> But yes. you know, I was like, this is nothing because Brooklyn had colic as a baby. So mm. if you want to hear a child scream and not stop screaming for hours on end. So this was like, oh, she's just a little tired. You know, <laughs> she'll settle down. Are you anxious of your kids or excited by your kids? Because they're all getting to ages where they're going to have grandkids like 
soon, maybe not Brooklyn, but your older boys. How excited are you to have grandkids? Oh, Lord God. Like, I'm going to have to probably buy a bigger house just to store all the gifts (laughs) (laughs) and stuff I'm going to buy for that kid. Because, you know, that's my love language is gift giving. That would be so cool. Yeah. Well, I can't wait because those babies are going to be so spoiled because for audience listening, Shelly gives the best gifts. Like she loves giving gifts like no one's business. I can't wait for you to have grandkids. But let's jump into what's in the news. So I saw something recently that's gone viral and kind of reminded me of Vetter.com when the CEO did a layoff and completely fucked it up. Then I'm seeing other videos of CEOs and one really struck me and it actually went viral. It's the office furniture giant Miller Knoll. So Herman Miller, if you've ever heard of the chairs, which I'm currently sitting on a Herman Miller chair. The CEO and president, Andy Owen, Lambasted employees in a March town hall. She tells them to leave Pity City after she was asked how people could help their teams stay motivated during a difficult moment for the company and the broader industry. What she said is, what are we going to do if we don't get a bonus? Get the damn $26 million. Spend your time and your effort thinking about $26 million we need and not thinking about what you're going to do if you don't get a bonus. All right, can I get some commitment for that? Then she went on, I had an old boss who said to me one time, you can visit Pity City, but you can't live there. So people, leave Pity City. Let's get it done, she said before wishing people a great day. All right, fair enough message. But I think this is where there's a massive disconnect between employees and employers. Did Owen receive her bonuses? Of course she did. This is where the disconnect is, right? Yes, you are not getting your bonus and suck it up while I am getting my bonuses. What did you think of this video? Well, you just said it all. Because when you watch the video, you could see her temperature rising. Yes. As she kept talking. And I think her biggest regret was not controlling herself. Because she really did. She started to get very animated. Even her tone of voice and watching her on video. And you know what surprises me is even though they're a private company, they've made no public statement about this. What CEO in the year 2023 can honestly think that somebody isn't going to record and release this video of you? Yes. I don't care if you had employees sign every legal document any lawyer could possibly come up with. She comes off as like borderline angry. Like, how dare you think about earning a bonus? It's so... Well, how dare you think about yourself and the well-being of your family instead of the company? And these are the same companies that will lay you off at any particular moment. It just seemed like she was completely out of touch with the need and the wants of her employees thinking, hey, this could potentially be a big impact for them. And I I get it. Think about the office furniture space. Like, is there a worse space to be than the office furniture space in the last couple of years? Obviously, it's changing. Yeah. Do you know what, Serge? I have to say, when I read the full article, watched the video, What really surprised me is I would have thought the opposite because now you're selling direct. Well, I guess their whole model was direct to business and not direct to consumer because look at you. 
you would buy a Herman Miller chair if you were having to sit in it all day long. You know how cheap I am. I bought a used one from an auction. I wasn't going to say that. Do you know how much a Herman Miller chair is? It like it's fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah, I didn't pay that. I paid a hundred and fifty dollars, I think. But again, I think the point you made there is critical. If you're a CEO or anyone in a leadership position, assume that any video you're going to record over Zoom is going to be leaked if there's anything negative or something that could come back against you. So what else is in the news, Shelley? Do you know this week, well, we've been hearing about it for a couple of years. In Canada, because we have such a small population base, there's really four major players in the telecom space. Rogers, which is a family-owned Eastern Canadian-based telecom company, And then Shaw, which is another originally family-owned telecom company here in Western Canada. And so Rogers has been, for the last couple of years, proposed to buy out Shaw. So that would make them a giant by Canadian standards. What I found really interesting was part of the deal that is set out by the government is that they would approve the merger so long as Rogers would create 3,000 new jobs in Western Canada. Ottawa approved it, but there's strings attached. Now, I know your roots are in the telecom industry. What do you make of this? I mean, it took two years to get this deal done. Well, I think you nailed it. There's really three big players, maybe four, like you said, but Rogers and Shaw merging is a huge problem. It's a huge problem for Canada, especially with the pricing. Our cost of telecom services here is almost double what it is in the US, right? Now you take two of the biggest players, you merge them, but there's basically no competition in the market. That ain't going to be good. And for Canadians, they know this very well, Our reliability of service has had serious doubts in the last year with Rogers going down for almost a day. So this is 911 services. This is all text, all cell phones, all emails, like all internet access. The framework of most restaurants like debit machines, all of that stuff went down. Something similar happened to another one of the big players, Telus, just a few months ago. This puts some really serious doubt that... If there's no competition, are they going to invest in what needs to be invested? I guess like adding 3,000 jobs in Western Canada is kind of a cop out, really. You what is 3,000? Yeah, yeah like, Look it's going to be we created jobs. They're never going to fill them. They're never going to fill them because it's going to be 3,000 call center jobs in a market that you can't hire 100 call center people if you put millions of dollars behind it. And yes, I spent 10 years in that industry. And yeah, I can't see this being good for the consumer at all. So in other news, I think this is really interesting because I've been spending a lot of time on Twitter and Facebook and they both have had releases of verification. Twitter's is completely bullshit. If you look at verifying on Twitter. You have to pay for it. Well, you're paying for it and you can verify under whatever name that you want. The whole thing is crazy. Then with Meta coming out with almost exactly the same type of process, I think with Meta, there is a lot more verification. So Facebook and Instagram, but you still have to pay for it. As LinkedIn is taking a completely different approach, they've actually partnered with a company called Clear 
that will have three additional ways for you to verify your identity. I think this is great for LinkedIn because we've talked about it so many times of companies creating all these fake profiles to show that they're bigger. We're also seeing tons of spams. Is this person real? I don't know if you get this, but I get a lot of attractive women trying to connect with me. And I'm looking at, if you have one follower, obviously you're trying to do something else similar to what you're seeing on Instagram. What was your thought about LinkedIn doing this and not charging for it? Well, I think most surprising for me is that they're not charging for it. And I'm not being a conspiracy theorist, but if you're not paying for it and you know that a verified profile is, again, another product on LinkedIn, if you're not paying for it, you are the product. And so it makes sense to have legitimate verified IDs. Just like you, it's kind of funny. One of the things I was going to say that you just said was, I know it's a fake in-mail message when it looks like a model, <laughs> like this beautiful, very welcoming person, and they're from some company nobody's ever heard of, and they're reaching out to me in in-mail, and I'm just like, delete, delete, delete. Blocked, yes. you know? I guess the more time you spend on LinkedIn, it's easier to figure out what the fakes are. From a recruiter's perspective, this is gold. This is awesome. Guess who's going to increase the price of a recruiter license? <laughs> well, probably, but I think credibility for all social media networks, you're actually dealing with the person instead of anonymous, which I think is the biggest issue with social media. You can say and do whatever you want because it's never coming back to you. I think LinkedIn, to your point, as far as charging or not, like if they're going to charge, most people are not going to do this. This is where doing it for free gives a lot of credibility that the people in the platform are actually real. So big fan. Good job, LinkedIn. Shelly, what's the tip of the week? The tip of the week. Have you ever tried like your top candidate? Have you ever thought of talking them out of taking the job? Telling them that here's all the reality of this job. You know, 20% of your time is really mundane work. Or the fact is we've got one person on the team who is a bit of a saboteur and you're going to have to watch out for them, giving them permission to say no to you. I think part of the recruitment process should be to have a reality check conversation with them. Is that something you've ever done? I think it's a good idea, especially if there's things in the interview that are not in sync with what the actual job is going to be. And one of the examples that you put here, so oh, let me go with it. So based on what you shared with me, I think some of this job is likely more hands-on than what you're used to. I'm worried that this role isn't the right match for you, but I don't want to make an assumption about what you're looking for in your next career move. Can you talk to me about the actual work you do and don't want to do. I think yeah. that's very valid, especially if someone has been working at a very high level and this is a lot of hands-on work that they're going to have fingers on keyboards all the time. Put it out there because it's better to find out now that it's not a fit than two months, six months, a year from now. I think that's a really good tip, especially when you're seeing signs that okay, their expectation and what the reality is might not match. Let's make sure that we're putting it all on the table because recruitment is not only about signing on the dotted line that you're going to start with us is a year from now, are you going to be a productive employee? And I think this is worth doing. Love it. 
really good tip of the week this week. Shelly, I want to jump Thank into you. the recruitment insights of the week. Okay. And what's the first? Well, the biggest one no, is Indeed, your friends at Indeed. Yeah. I don't know if you saw, but Indeed released an article this week saying, all right, we're ready to go. We've been testing. We've had small business in Canada, US, UK, different parts of the world getting the paper applicant model. There's a couple of things that they didn't really talk a lot about is, yes, it's coming, but you are going to have the option to stay on pay-per-click, which is a major change. And I think they panic a little bit. I think with everything that's going on, obviously with the market for job postings dramatically down, 33% in sponsored jobs is their own numbers. They're like, we can't introduce this without having alternating versions, which is why they're keeping the pay-per-click. So what was your thought? Is this a reversal? Is this a reality of the market? Is this just too big a shift in a market that's a lot of job boards are struggling right now? So my take on this is they are the one company who actually listens to their customers' feedback and does something about it. They could have done better communicating. Absolutely. Their marketing people, I think, are underutilized. Had they done full court press advertising this, it may have gone better. But what happened was the way they communicated, it fell flat for some companies. Other companies were like, I want pay for performance. But when you think about human nature overall, half of the population doesn't like change. To do something so sweeping, we're cutting off pay-per-click and going to pay-per-applicant, didn't work. Indeed is walking it back, and they're walking it back based on feedback from customers. I don't know how you can slight a company for having the guts, first of all, to go out there and do it, and then secondly, listening to customers, making changes, and giving them the options that they're asking for. I think that's just good business. So much altruism there, Shelly. It wasn't based on them listening to clients' feedback. It's them shitting in their pants, being like, if we do this, we're going to lose a ton of revenue. So yes, I guess they listened the to their customers. That search. There was what a, numbers? Of the test market that they yeah. put this out to, because they didn't roll it out to every company. Of the test market, half said they prefer the pay-per-performance versus pay-per-click. Well, let's talk about that because I thought that was the funniest thing in the whole thing. Indeed cited his own market research showing that 52% of employers choose results-based pricing defined as paper application, paper interview, or paper hire as their favorite model versus 22% for pay-per-click and 22% for pay-per-post. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's break this down. Of course, if you go ask employers, like, what would you prefer? Just paying per applicant? They're all going to say that, but they have no concept of what that means. So is it a normal practice for most companies to constantly survey their customers on what they like, what they want, what they don't want? Has ZipRecruiter ever done such a thing? Like, well, I'm look sure at the they have. major job boards. Do they ever consult with their customers and even ask? I All get that you're cynical saying, All the time. well, it's what you ask and how you ask it. But the fact uh, is, at least they're asking. 
Well, if indeed believed their own data here, they wouldn't be stepping this back because according to their data, only 22% want to keep the pay-per-click. But the market is clearly saying, we don't have a clue what you're talking about. We don't know what paper applicant actually means. We don't know what paper application starts means. But the concept of it sounds good. So stupid. Like, why do you assume customers are stupid, Serge? I don't like, assume isn't customers are stupid. is that a little bit dangerous to, to assume that people can't figure this out? You know, it's pretty simple. You can pay a flat, right? Here's 750 post your job for 30 days. Let's see what happens. Then there's pay-per-click where you're in a more dynamic market. I think people are a lot smarter than we give them credit for. Those who aren't paying attention will get caught. Indeed's provided refunds, worked with customers to make it right. It's not like they said, hey, it's not our fault that you don't read what you're doing. ZipRecruiter is a paper applicant model. Do you hear their customers going, oh, no, no, we want a duration-based, I'd rather pay you $750 and just hope that somebody drops into my inbox. Do you, well, do you hear people complaining about how ZipRecruiter does it? No. Well, duration-based has been out for a long time, right? Duration-based could have its advantage because of that $750, you could get 1,000 customers and pay $0.20 cents per applicant. Or you've and got that, no traffic. Shelly, if indeed really believe their research data. 84% of employers say they believe they should only pay when they receive quality candidates from a job site. Of course, everyone is going to say that. It's yeah. how you ask the question, right? But if you ask, are you willing to pay double that you used to pay for the same amount of candidates? Well, the question is going to be, hell no. Customers don't understand. And I'm not saying they're stupid, but we live in this <laughs> yes, state. Yes, you are. You no, are. No, no, we like, live in this state. Customers can't figure this out. And you know they can, because who's going to disagree? If anything, what ZipRecruiter's done for us is this whole campaign about quality of applicant within the first day. They have educated the market on everybody's behalf about quality of applicant. This is always your hope back in the day when you had a duration-based post. Nobody will disagree. That's all we're after is we want a qualified applicant and we'd like to have more than one to choose from. So the hope when we're using these other little niche job boards, we're crossing our fingers that a duration-based post will at least generate one candidate that is quality, whether it's Indeed or ZipRecruiter or any other job board for that matter. I don't know how that relates, Shelley, because what Indeed is saying here is we don't believe our data. We are stepping it back because our clients are telling us they don't want to do this. They don't understand it. And... I don't blame them. Like we all live in the job board space, right? We understand how it works. I can tell you if you go ask most TA leaders out there, like explain me the difference between paper application start, paper applicant, between duration-based advertising. They're not stupid. That's not what I'm saying. But at the end of the day, they want to go indeed and be like, how much am I going to pay? And how many candidates am I going to have? They want good quality candidates. And that is the biggest issue with indeed right now. It's just an onslaught of candidates. And I think Indeed should start verifying their identities because it is a challenge that- Of job seekers? Job seekers. Job seeker identity? Interesting. I don't. So on that note, I guess I'll never be able to get you to take off your Indeed pom-pons, but 
the numbers well, are showing really clearly that there's a mistrust of Indeed in the market right now. There's no, it's not. No, it's yeah. not. I think you're on this bandwagon of somehow trying to find fault versus I'm the opposite. But I'm that way in all parts of my life, Serge. Like this is not exclusive to Indeed. I believe they're offering their customers options. Because they don't have a choice. For it. They don't have a choice. It's not because they are asking for it. If we were in a robust market and indeed felt that they could keep growing, they wouldn't change this. They're shitting in their well, pants because they see the guess. market and guess. they see how yeah. big a change this is. You can guess, but. All right, let's only, jump into the, the next. The job board that's actually doing something and not just resting on old tech and hoping customers keep come back. Well, we can argue They're about that. We, the market. I don't think Indeed has improved talent acquisition. Is talent acquisition better now than it was before Indeed? No, it's not. So putting that there. No, it hasn't. Oh, dear God. Serge, listen, they have advanced the market. They have not advanced the market. They have caused the biggest issue in the market, and now they're looking to fix it. What, pay transparency? No, not pay transparency. The whole, let's get as many candidates through the process with no barriers at all. And when I say barriers, I don't mean like a long application tracking system application. Let's do a one click. Now you get millions of resumes, it feels like for some jobs and 99.9 of those are not qualified, which has created tons more work. And now this is how they're fixing it. They're fixing it with, we have screening questions. They're fixing their own problem they cause in the industry. I think you're giving them way more credit. It was applicant tracking systems that were an absolute burden. They solved for it and now adding layers back in. Yes, they did focus on the candidate experience and make it easier for candidates. Are companies absolutely blameless if they put no energy or effort into defining their employer brand, doing something to ensure they attract the right people? No. If you lay back and say, no, I'm just going to slap up any dirty old thing on there, which is usually a poorly written job description, and now I'm going to blame Indeed. No one's saying that. I think Indeed, to say it was to improve the candidate experience... Sure, maybe somewhere down the line that was bullet point number 99 on the Indies plan when they were doing this. The goal was to get more clicks so they make more money. That's all it is. And they are business. I'm going to give them full credit for that. Yeah, no one said they didn't operate for profit. Let's jump into the next. Okay, found a great article here that talked about what we've been through in terms of the economy and the labor market. And what was super interesting was they compared the first quarter of 2023 to the job market back in 2019. And this was absolutely fascinating because unless you're looking in the rearview mirror, you wouldn't see this. The unemployment rate in 2019 was 3.7%. And so far in 2023, this is just the first quarter, it's at 3.5%. And earnings wage growth. There was so much media and attention, just, you know, the quiet quitting and the great resignation and that employers need to increase wages. So where are we now? Average hourly earnings growth in 2019 was 2.9% compared to 3.2 at an annualized rate. Cause again, we're just, we're comparing a full year to just the beginning of 2023. And The third thing that it pointed to was the working age, the 25 to 54-year-olds. There is this sense that we have 
a smaller pool of people because people retired. And yes, the pandemic did kill millions of people. But it turns out that in that highest employment rate, 25 to 54 year olds, it was 80% of the workforce in 2019. And now in the first quarter of 2023, it's 80.5% of those people are working. I guess I'd like to be a little ray of sunshine to say that maybe things are coming back to pre-pandemic. Things are kind of steadying or leveling out a little bit. Did this surprise you, Serge? No, no, none of this what surprised was your, me. What was your I, feeling in the market? Well, we're forgetting one thing, one big thing from 2019 to 2023, which had a dramatic impact on the labor market, also the overall stock market, is rampant inflation. 2019, there was zero inflation, flat across the board. We have been dealing with 8 to 9%. I know that slowed down, but still 5% inflation like almost month over month. So excuse the market. And in the US, the Federal Reserve, they have to control inflation. And what they do is increase interest rate. We were basically zero to almost 5% since 2019. It's going to have a dramatic impact on the economy. Unless we temper inflation, I don't know if we can predict this market. I love your ray of sunshine here. So yes, the numbers look very similar. And like we've been saying, we've been expecting a recession for, I don't know, the last two years, it seems like we've been talking about it. It will be very interesting just because we have seen in the first quarter, obviously in this industry, job postings are way down. Indeed, the talent, they've all seen job postings down. If they're dialing down, means less companies are hiring. We're hearing more layoffs. I guess the biggest thing is after seeing what the earning calls are for Q1 for a lot of big companies, it's going to tell us where the economy is heading. If they come out and being like, we're profitable, same as last year, we've grown 5%, I guess we can be comfortable that the economy is going to be good for a while. That's what I'm hoping. So we will see. But it was interesting to see that the numbers are fairly identical. I just think they've changed. Glimmer of hope, because it's only the first quarter. It is a glimmer of hope. Just trying to find some good news and all the the negative press. There's got to be some good news somewhere. Well, you know, when we talked about, I think it was in December and I said, chat GBT is going to change the world of work. And like when I say chat GBT, I mean, basically AI. I don't think we really understood of what the impact of AI was going to be. We've heard about it for years, right? But we never saw it in a practical term that you and me and Joe Schmo can understand what the impact of AI is going to be. And I think we're in the midst of it, right? We're seeing what that impact is. And honestly, it's going a little too quick for me. It's making me a little bit nervous after reading some articles of the potential impacts in the long run. But it's really already start to change the way we work, how we recruit right now. Companies are recruiting talent straight out of college with the biggest prize being those with a doctorate degrees. So if you are going to get a PhD, focus on AI. And even with that, they're looking for a lot of people with just a bachelor's degree with an understanding of AI. So if you are going to university or college, if you want a job, which is maybe not always the purpose of university as we've talked about, that is where you should go into. But it's interesting that companies are already 
really digging into this labor pool or this talent pool, I should say, and starting to recruit them really early because it's going to be a race to have the best talent in this space. Anyone that's doing it right now will have a head start. What was your thoughts? Well, I do have kind of an alternate train of thought here. You know, when you look at post-secondaries, like, for example, you know, the big ones like the Harvard or Cornell or what have you, if you're enticing those professors to leave and go into industry, what does that do for who's going to train your next generation? If you're taking those that would normally go down the professor track or just stay in academia and throw 350000 or 500000 in front of them, of course, they will leave academia. But it's really shooting yourself in the foot. Because if you keep pulling them out, especially your PhDs, that is the next generation that is going to teach the ones coming up behind them. I don't know. It, it's almost cannibalistic in a way, because if you want to guarantee that we've got well-trained people coming out, whether it's at the bachelor's degree or master's level, you can't be cherry picking the top ones because that's going to impact the quality of everyone behind them. Kind of scares me a bit. Good point. I didn't think of that. Sometimes it's a different person, right? Like someone that goes into industry compared to academia. So wired different and money is not the biggest consideration. No one goes into academia thinking they're going to be rich. You do it because you love the subject. You do it because you love teaching. You do it because you love inspiring others. All those altruistic things. But listen, somebody puts $350,000 in front of you. Serge, who's going to walk away from that? The thing with being a professor is they have something called tenure. And once you're tenured, you know that you can't get fired. Oh, wow. Yeah. You're basically guaranteed a job for life, which is a good thing for those who like job security and are risk adverse. So going into industry means you suddenly have a stomach for risk. Yeah. Because who's going to throw 350,000 at you might be startups. There's a lot of risk in going into startups, right? Exactly. Jump into the last recruitment insight. There is an interesting trend that we saw increase, certainly in 2022. And that is advertising what benefits are part of your job specifically around hourly or lower paying jobs. This is an Indeed Insider report that talked about the fact that it's leveling off. So they're seeing employers who were including lots of information about medical, dental, paid time off, whatever those benefits are for lower paying jobs. What stayed the same is the higher paying jobs, like for software development or banking or finance, they still continue to add all the details about benefits. It seems like maybe that's another indicator of the economy because companies are not feeling like they need to advertise benefits and they're just going with straight wage. Are they increasing wage? Is that it? It just doesn't make any sense to me, right? Because the market is the most competitive in those lower wage jobs. So to remove any differentiator seems a little bit going the wrong way. It does. It does. I found it really surprising. 
because the slowdown of adding those perks into lower paying jobs, it just seems, I don't know, maybe now they're just offering them free chicken sandwiches. Well, and and you know, that might be a better benefit for someone in that job. And I think this still relates to the disconnect between benefits at different levels of their career. It's always a one size fits all. At a major retail company, the corporate benefits are the same as the ones working on the retail floor. I know retirement's really important, right? Overall, like to putting money aside, but you're 19 or you're 20, you're in college, you get big debts to pay. Wouldn't a benefit of student loan matching or something like that be a way better fit. So I still think it's an issue with how we leverage benefits in the attraction of these talents at different levels, different types of jobs. And they're probably seeing like, no, no one cares about my retirement plan or even my health insurance because I'm on my parents' health insurance. I think it's just bad benefits. No one gives a fuck about. There's an opportunity here. Another fun episode of the Recruitment Flex. Next week, we're going to be recording... Well, not live, but we're going to be recording from Vegas and giving you the highlights of Unleash America. And I am extremely excited to go because I've been hearing fantastic stories. And we're going to be doing a lot of small interviews with a lot of people that you might have heard on the show before. So, Shelly, I will see you next week while we're boarding the plane to Vegas. See you soon. Have a good week. Bye. Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. What was it like to be there for historical sports moments and unforgettable performances? To be behind the scenes? On PressBox Access, you'll hear from me, Todd Jones, and other sports writers about their experiences with the greatest athletes, coaches, and sports events of the past half century. We'll share some stories behind the stories, some big, some small, and some we've only told each other. Let us buy you around on PressBox Access.